we are on the brink of a mental health crisis. And this is why I am so appreciative of the folks over at BetterHelp. They provide the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. Sign up today. Go to BetterHelp.com and use the promo code Solving Healthcare and get 10% off sign-up fees. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Quarkast Nation, Southern Wellness Community, we got a special episode, and it's all about self-care, something that's so important during this time. With the in an era where we're seeing more burnout, more clinicians leaving the, the profession more than ever, and this is a a group, like intentional therapists. So this is Dr. Karen Dick and and Dr. Melissa Thiessen that are clinical psychologists that really organized a group, uh, intentional therapists that are all about self care. And we talk about the four C's that they've established: connection, compassion, creativity, and courage as truly the foundation on how they uh, promote self-care for healthcare professionals. And uh, it's a really great conversation and tools that I think that we could all apply. Um, we're going to see some of their content on solvent wellness. Cause you know what I'm saying? We want to promote their love. And if you haven't joined solvent wellness yet, I don't know what the hell's going down, but go to solventwellness.com uh, where you get your online workouts, uh, yoga classes, cooking tips, cooking classes, mindful meditation, productivity tips, and just that community where we support each other and, and just promote overall wellness uh, so that we get through these tough times and, and, and support each other. So solventwellness.com, $99 for the year, $9.99 per month. And yes, first month is free. So without further ado, let's jump on it. Karen and Melissa, let's go. Quadcast Nation, we have a special episode today with the intentional therapist. I, I love what they're doing. And it's all about that self-care, which is so important during this time and really underrated. We talked a little bit about the show, but we're going to dive hard into it today with Dr. Melissa Thiessen and Dr. Karen Dick. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Really happy to be here. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. So I think we'll start with you, Melissa. Like what started this 
your 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 initiative here in terms of um intentional therapists like what what brought this on yeah so karen and i have actually known each other for over a, a decade at this point, uh, I had the very fortunate opportunity to be one of Karen's supervisees at the beginning of my career. Not that Karen is that much older than me, but <laughs> just how it worked out. And uh, we have stayed in touch over the years. And uh, a few years ago, we were both sort of at a point in our careers where we wanted to do something a little bit different and have a bit of a different reach beyond individual therapy. And uh, one of the things that was really important to both of us because of some of the roles that we had been in previously, both having worked in rural community mental health settings, uh, university and hospital-based settings, and uh, I'd also worked, uh, in fact, for the Canadian Psychological Association myself, uh, we, we really had had a broad range of experiences and had worked with a number of different health professionals and really saw the importance of self-care uh, as being so foundational to our work. And we also recognize, though, that uh, as much as we all talk about the importance of self-care and we talk about the research that supports the importance of self-care, most of the workshops or resources that are out there don't really support therapists or other health professionals in truly attending to our self-care in a meaningful way. So we thought, let's try to create something ourselves that can, that can help address this. Amazing. Amazing. Cause I, I, I really think this is probably, I know it's underappreciated under uh, valued that we need to be able to take care of ourselves to be able to take care of others. And so, you know, like Karen, what, what was, what was, what was the driver for you? Like, what was it? Was it the same thing as Melissa's were saying? But like, what what really got you to make that extra step to get this to get this initiative going? Yeah, I, th- I think there were a few things, and you know, like Melissa, I'd, I had had an opportunity to work in a lot of different settings, and uh, you know, I I imagine you might agree with this that it, it's a bit disheartening actually when we look at the overall healthcare system and how. Um, wellness and self-care really isn't talked a lot about for the healthcare providers and yet they they provide such an important service um so you know in my work with different systems that really became evident and i actually just started um reading about workplace wellness and and um programs aimed at improving staff health And I think at the point when Melissa and I were really looking for something different, I think I was, you know, honestly, I think I was probably also feeling like, boy, I need to do a bit of a better job with my own self-care and and recognizing in just speaking with other um, uh, mental health professionals and, and particularly female mental health professionals, that there's perhaps some unique challenges that come with um, being a healthcare provider and being a female and uh, just really wanting to get the conversations going because, you know, we've really realized that our training doesn't address this issue. It doesn't prepare us for 
um, what's referred to as our workplace hazards. And so I think we go into these careers just feeling like we should be able to listen to people's um, hardships and tragedies and be able to um, regulate our own thoughts and emotions when we're sitting with people who are suffering and that it just, we should just be able to do it. There shouldn't be any negative effects. And if we are feeling some negative effects, it says something about us and maybe we didn't pick the right profession. And so I think it can be really uh, stigmatizing actually. And, and oftentimes it causes people to not talk about this. And I think we just really value um, this piece and we, we value the contributions that uh, mental health professionals and other healthcare providers make and they need to be taken care of. 100%. And I mean, take this with a grain of salt. I have a unique perspective with, with my wife being a clinical psychologist. And I do think there's a unique aspect from the, the female side because, you know, you're often balancing your career, you're balancing uh a growing, like a potentially growing family, um, you know, you you're, you you got to balance these things, and you have this often a high expectation of yourself because you're, you know, you're a healthcare professional, mental health professional, and you you feel like you guys often are super like impenetrable, but you are human beings. So I I really think uh, what you guys are intending to do is so so important. And so maybe, Melissa, if you could comment in terms of um, what you guys, like what your approach has been to, to promoting self-care overall with the intentional therapists. Yeah, so one of our, our really uh, important messages is expanding the concept of self-care to begin with, right? So self-care absolutely includes uh, the typical things we might think of like sleep, exercise, um, eating good food, uh, relaxation, meditation, all of these things are incredibly important, but on their own, they're often not sufficient. And because of course, there's a lot of, let's say limiting beliefs that can also contribute to how effective we are at our own self-care or not. And especially as female mental health professionals, um, there's, there's some very specific limiting beliefs get, that can get in the way. But for any of us, male or female, mental health professional, medical professional, whatever your background is, uh, there, there can be a whole range of limiting beliefs that might get in the way. And, and one of them can just be how we're defining self-care. So one of our, our first sort of premises is how we're defining self-care and really thinking about it through a broad lens. And, and in particular, what, what we um, uh, have developed is, is a framework that emphasizes four things that we think are really key when it comes to uh, broadening our, our definition of self-care, which is connection, compassion, courage, and creativity. I, I love all of this um, because, so we got connection, compassion, Creativity. What was the what was the other one? Courage. Courage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm gonna start with the courage because this one's <laughs> not a typical one. And mm -hmm. I, I must say I have a lot of opinions on courage. Um and I, I don't want to make it about me, but maybe Karen, what what's tell me a little bit about the the courage aspect of the amongst these four C's. 
Yeah, so it, it is interesting. I think it's one of the pillars that people have the greatest reaction to, right? Like courage, how does that fit in? And I think, you know, for sure, if we think of the more traditional self-care, right, going for massages, having good chocolate, right, all of that, but yeah, that doesn't take a lot of courage. That Those are the easy things in, in some respects. But what really does take the courage is to go against some of the unhelpful beliefs and messages that have uh, come our way and interfere with self-care. And, you know, I think for people who are in caregiving professions, um, oftentimes there's, there's messages that go along with that, right? And how much of our time and energy we should be devoting to taking care of others and um, we might have gotten a lot of unhelpful messages about uh, caring for ourselves and the importance of that. And so it's about going against some of those messages that we might get and, and certainly recognizing that, unfortunately, women um, get a lot of messages, right? And often from, from a very young age, you're kind of giving, given the message that they're uh, these caregivers and that's their primary role and so if they do anything to focus on their own needs a lot of guilt can come up a lot of discomfort and we need courage to go against those things and be able to put um, some of the important self-care practices into place um, but courage goes even beyond that for for psychologists right our our services aren't covered by um, you know, the provincial health plans. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we struggle with is setting, feeling okay about, about um, charging reasonable fees, right? The recommended rates, um, having um, boundaries uh, that uh, outline cancellation policies and things like that. So we also think about that piece as taking a lot of courage, Mm -hmm. to, you know, feel like we're getting reimbursed at a fair rate, um, putting our needs ahead of others at times. Um, and, and I think that the other piece is willing to reach out and accept help. That takes a lot of courage. And yeah. whether that's delegating, you know, hiring people to help us, a lot of us feel like in some ways we should be able to do it all. And so we can, we can feel kind of guilty or uncomfortable about that. Um, so that takes courage. And, you know, sometimes we absolutely need our own mental health services. And that's how we keep ourselves healthy and, and keep doing as best a job we can. But again, that that also takes courage to admit, you know, gosh, here I am, a clinical psychologist, and I'm having some, some struggles. And it's, it's okay, because I, I'm human first, and a psychologist second. A hundred percent. I, I, I think I just, I really at a personal level, just loved hearing that the courage aspect, because I must say with most life transformation, transformative um, activities, approaches, like it, it all, like that is essential. Like I, I, you know, I, you know, I just at a personal level when I think of some of the, the stuff we've done for advocacy around, during the, the the pandemic and and for other healthcare professionals for BIPOC community, you know you you have to stick, you need the courage because you're putting yourself out there. You have that vulnerability aspect, but it's it can be dramatic. It could have such an impactful uh, change in life that for the for the better. And uh, so I I often 
use, I guess, I guess maybe I, I didn't put it in that context for, for self-care di- directly, but I, I often will bring up the importance of courage that, that uh, will get you to where you want to get to uh, by stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, Melissa, what about, uh, t- talk to me about creativity. Cause this is one also that, I mean, I love talking about like we're on this show because of a crea- creativity element to life. So uh, tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, creativity is another so important pillar for us. And again, I think something that people don't automatically think of when they think of self-care. But the reality is, and and I guess we should say, we also think of creativity in the context of creativity and play as well. And of course, kids are fantastic at this, right? Adults, often not so much, or we need a lot of courage <laughs> to be more creative, right? To to let down some of our, our guard and uh, and seriousness, right? And, and the thing is that creativity and play are actually... Um, foundational to our existence as, as human beings. And so it's really, you know, uh, such a shame that as we grow up, we lose so much of our innate ability to engage in creative pursuits, to engage in play. And of course, as any child psychologist knows, play is how kids learn, right? Play is how kids develop skills to be good humans. So uh, it it really is again, foundational to, uh, to just, development of of the brain as well. But the other really a fascinating aspect of creativity is that if we think of creativity, not as like being an artist, right, but just simply creating things, producing something as opposed to consuming something in particular, as opposed to passively consuming something, right? When we're creating something, we're really in the act of uh, producing something. And so that could be you know, making supper, that could be making a painting or anything in between. But there's such an important difference, especially now in 2021, almost 2022, uh, maybe 2022, when people are listening to this, the, the reality is that so much of our time these days is often, unfortunately, engaged in non-creative pursuits, right? We're engaged in just passively consuming information or just receiving information, right? Whether it's social media or just reading information online, especially throughout the pandemic, right? How many countless hours have we all spent consuming news, whether on television or, or on the internet? And that just has such a different impact on literally on our nervous system, as opposed to creating something, it's especially when we can use our hands to create something because using our hands uh, for tools is, is also part of what makes us human. So it's just such a foundational piece of, of being a human and really um, again, kind of creating the kind of life that is going to be most meaningful for us. And, and something that uh, a quote that we've come across actually that really speaks to us so much is that in a really broad sense, self-care is about creating a life that we don't need to escape from. And, and so that can be literally creating things, but also just being intentional about how we're, how we're living our lives, how we're spending our time. And so, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll stop there for the moment. Absolutely, <laughs> Cause I think it's something we've lost the ability to be intentional. Like we, we aren't that intentional. We're so reactive. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is important about the creativity piece is that um, it could be, almost meditative, you know, often when you're doing some, uh, using that creative element, whether it is 
um, you're a cooking supper, whether you are, uh, you know, uh, putting Lego set together with your kids or doing play. Actually, I hate Play-Doh. I'm glad my kids are not into play. I, I find it disgusting. I think it's one of the most disgusting things around. You know what I'm saying? That's like, it's like every dirty thing booger whatever it's it's like there forever um so yeah i'm anti-plato but yeah when the boys want to throw down with lego uh yeah i have three uh, young younger younger uh, boys there and uh but yeah i i definitely think there's a meditative element and we all know how that uh you know being how more mindful or meditative can be so valuable for overall well-being um so yeah thanks for that melissa I'm going back to to Karen, what about what about connection, especially in a time where you know we're peri pandemic? We'll timestamp this. We're doing this interview on the ninth of of December, and uh, you know the world's going up and up up and down too in terms of what's uh, the next little while is looking like. But what, uh, what's the impact of connection in your mind? Yeah, so um, when we talk about connection, we we refer to kind of connecting outwardly, so connecting with others, um, but also connecting inwards and really um, taking stock of what's important to us, um, what our values are, and using that information to really guide our um, our self-care. So it's, you know, it's, again, it's, we use that term in a, in a broad sense. Um, for us, with some of the, the workshops we've done, we talk about um, connecting, meaning also becoming aware of what the common workplace hazards are for our profession. Because really, I, I think the majority of us never learned about that. And we kind of entered into our, our careers um, kind of blindsided, I think, some sometimes about um, the impact of the hazards. Um, so it's about being aware of that, being aware of our emotions, um, being aware of how we're responding, connecting with that part of ourselves. And the, you know, the connecting with a like-minded community and with people who share our values, uh, I, I think is so important. If, you know, we often talk about there's these kind of rules that, that women have been living by, and sometimes we're not even aware that these rules and messages have had a pretty significant impact on us. And it's going to take a community to start changing those rules. And I think if we try to do this work in isolation and we try and put self-care practices into place in isolation, we're going to, we're going to keep struggling. We need, we need encouragement. We need support from others to um, help us in taking steps towards connecting with what's important with us and our values. Because, you know, again, we see self-care as a very individual process right so things that perhaps replenish me or energize me could be very different than uh, what Melissa or yourself might find energizing and the only way we can figure that out is really pausing and trying to reconnect with our values and recognizing that um, that's also going to probably change during the course of our lifetime based on our um, our age and, and stage of life um, based on our career and where we're at on our career, but also 
different life events that happen. You know, the pandemic, for example, is a is something that's impacted all of us in different ways. And in some in some respects, people have said it's it's helped them kind of reconnect with what's really important to them. And unfortunately, not everyone's been that um, fortunate to to find some good coming out of the pandemic. But um, yeah, I think that connection piece with ourselves and others is is again just so foundational to um, our self-care journey. Yeah, and I must say, I think, you know, um, one of the things I was grateful for during the pandemic was I had, I, I got to connect. We, a lot of us got to connect because we had to go to work. And so uh, I'll be honest with you, even at certain parts of the pandemic, despite the fears, I was looking forward to going to work for that connection piece. Uh, and it also highlighted how important it was for many others who ha- had to stay at home, you know, uh, and, you know, in my opinion, the next pandemic is the mental health, health uh, tsunami that's coming. I just had a meeting. We, we have to do a show on this about um, the kids' mental health right now. It's it's breaking my heart hearing about some of the resource strains. But, um, yeah, it, it really is so important that, external connection um you know I, I i did a post not that long ago I, my eldest son we were, we were at a tournament a couple of months ago and i i didn't realize how much we missed this like i was a, a borderline welling up when we were all collectively cheering our for our our, our, our team and how, seeing the grandparents and seeing smiles on both sides of the uh, the aisle, like, I mean, the, boy, the boys got lit up. I think they lost 5-1, but we were still so happy to be there. So, like, these little things, I think you really appreciate it uh, after it's been gone. And in terms of the internal, uh, like, looking like uh, looking to, within ourselves, I do think more of us need to take that time to self-reflect. I, I think not only is it beneficial to just, you know, re reestablish what your values are, what's important to you. But also I think sometimes it helps when it comes to thinking about some of the good that's happened in your day, in your week, your month, whatever timeline you're, you want to refer to. Cause um, sometimes special things are happening, but you're not taking the time to digest it. Cause you're always on the go, you know, it's uh, you know, so I think that that real, um, connection side, because I, I was assuming it was going to be mostly on the external side, but that internal connection piece, as you mentioned, wow. Yeah, that is, uh, you guys are nailing that and, and as far as I'm concerned. Um, so Melissa, maybe the last C there, um, compassion, um, what, what are some of the nuances when, when you, when you think about compassion? Yes. And it- Probably you'll notice as we're talking about each of these C's, there's a lot of overlap between them, right? And, and it's almost as though you almost, you can't kind of can't have one without the others in a sense, right? They, they're just so interconnected and everything that we were just saying about connection uh, really feeds into compassion as well, right? Because once we're able to take some time, be reflective about what's meaningful for us, right? Connecting with the value in our work, uh, just even connecting with uh, that that gratitude for 
uh, others in our, in our lives, that really, I think, can facilitate also a sense of compassion for others and similarly greater compassion for ourselves too. And so, again, we really see compassion as being about compassion for others, but also self-compassion. And, uh, and similarly, having a recognition of what maybe contributes to us having difficulty with extending compassion to others or extending compassion to ourselves and what also maybe contributes to us uh, becoming at times overly compassionate for others or overly compassionate for ourselves, which maybe doesn't serve us quite so well. Uh, and, And so, you know, one thing that we've often reflected on as well is the unfortunate judgments that can come up at times um, for uh, mental health professionals in particular, uh, when it comes to um, it, it just what, how, how we're comparing ourselves to others, right. And our, uh, our perceptions of our, are other clinicians taking good care of themselves? Are they not taking good care of themselves? How do we measure up in comparison to what we think they're doing or not doing, which of course may not be at all accurate, but, uh, but can influence uh, what we think about ourselves, what we think about them. And then also most importantly can influence what we do or don't do, right? What steps we take or don't take in regards to our, our own self-care. Um, and I think another huge piece of compassion is also, and this has been so important throughout the pandemic, it, it's always important, but it's been even more important and apparent throughout the, the pandemic, is just also really having compassion for when we're in a difficult place, like especially at the onset of the pandemic, right? How everything just got turned upside down uh, for, for ourselves as mental health professionals, shifting to working online, um, kids being home, uh, right? Everything kind of happening from the home, not being able to connect with other people. It's, it's, things are still tough in different ways, but that was a really, really tough period of time for most people, right? And I think being able to just acknowledge that it was tough and there's still things that are tough and that it's okay for, for us to acknowledge when things are tough. Again, even as a mental health professional who maybe others are looking to for guidance or leadership, it's also okay if we're struggling sometimes, right? And, and I think that's such a huge piece um, that really can contribute to, to more effective self-care when we're able to acknowledge the things that, that might be difficult for us as well, especially as health professionals, because we're often maybe expected to, uh, right, to be perfect role models of, of health and wellness. And of course, as we said earlier, like, well, we're humans first. So um, we're not, we're not going to be perfect because nobody can be perfect and, and that's okay. And, and that's really what compassion comes down to, right? Those two words. It's okay. It's okay. I, I gotta say, uh, I think a lot of us struggle with that one. A lot of us like, uh, to acknowledge that it's okay, not being okay. Um, no one went to reach out, no one went to, to slow it down. Um, I, I think that one is, uh, that one, a lot of us struggle, especially the, like uh, maybe not, I don't know what generation or what age, but there's a certain generation where it's, you know, seeking help or admitting that you're, you're struggling could be a, uh, could be a challenge. So I, I, I think this is honestly, I think it's one, this is one of the foundational aspects to, to, to self-care um, really like having that uh self-compassion yeah we it was one of my favorite shows we did uh with uh 
um, Michelle Sorensen talking about that. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where you realize like it's yeah. Foundational. Um, yeah. I think, I think probably where it shows up for so many of us, and I, I would imagine it's true for other healthcare providers as well, certainly not just mental health professionals, but you know, when we have those moments or days uh, where we feel um, kind of ineffective, we haven't been able to help people in the way that we would ideally like. And, uh, you know, some of the conversations I've been having with, with some of my colleagues, um, it really resonates with COVID, you know, feeling sometimes like they are using all their training, all their skills that they have. And it's interesting, you know, it's often when they're working with kids is when I'm hearing this, they're doing everything they know how to do to try and help kids manage this difficult situation. And yet um, really seeing that it's only going so far and, you know, recognizing that and, and trying to find a way with accepting the fact that um, we, we just can't, change the things that are causing people suffering. We can try and help them move through the, the course of the pandemic in a way that they're they're less impacted. But I think, you know, ultimately for healthcare providers, it's those days when we feel like we're not we're not being as helpful as we we would like to be, where all the judgments and criticisms and imposter syndrome comes up, right? And where we really need to take a step back and um, and find some some self compassion. Mm. Yeah, that's that's well put. Um, yeah, I, I, as I said, it's to me, it's like just one of those things that is out of all the C's. I think is probably in my mind uh, one of the more challenging components, um, especially for seasoned healthcare professionals. <laughs> um, so you guys are doing amazing work uh, and maybe Karen, you could speak to a little bit about like when people go to intentional therapists, when they go to your site, like, or, or they connect with you, like what, how does it look? Like what are the benefits that they're going to, to receive? Yeah, I think, I think probably um, what we're hearing a lot of positive feedback about is for sure our monthly newsletter that, that I think for two years we have consistently sent out a newsletter uh, the first Friday of, of each month. And uh, in it, we, we have a few different sections, uh, playful practice, heartfelt connection, um, and uh, community connection. And uh, in those different sections, you know, with the community section, we try and introduce them to some other uh, mental health professionals and we do interviews with them and kind of we, we uh, include the transcript um, and the, the heartfelt um, section is often just, just a reflection on often some of our own uh, issues that come up in our own self-care and uh, really trying to be open and be vulnerable, really, with our readers 
in hopes of giving them the courage to do the same thing and to really um, reflect on some of their own self-care practices. And then, of course, the, the playful practice is about trying to incorporate some playfulness or some uh, humor into self-care practices and into our members' uh, reading, their monthly reading. Uh, so that's something that, that we've offered consistently. We often also send out another communication kind of halfway through the month that's a bit shorter, but uh, it's our way of trying to keep this on people's radar, right? It's about kind of this consistent message that this is important. Um, you are your tools, right? We are our tools in the work we do, and we need to take care of our tools. Um, one time we likened it to a surgeon who needs to make sure that their their instruments are sterilized and well taken care of. Mm -hmm. And we need to do the same as, as mental health professionals. So the newsletter is certainly um, an important piece. And if uh, on our website, there's um, a number of blogs on different topics. Uh, there's links to other podcast interviews we've done. And we've also done a couple of uh, virtual workshops where uh, we dive into things at a bit of a deeper level. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing more recently, which I think, you know, Melissa and I have really enjoyed, is um, the last time we did a workshop, uh, the group that participated in that actually asked for ongoing meetings um, to just kind of continue to support them, right? Recognizing that maybe a workshop isn't the best way to help people keep this in the forefront of their minds, right? It, it Maybe it is about more consistent conversations and supporting one another and cheering each other on when we're doing the things that take courage, but that are really good for our overall wellness and self-care. I love it. I love it. it the, um, I, I, what I love about what you guys are doing, Karen and Melissa, is that a lot of people will acknowledge things are a problem. They'll bring it to people's attention and it stops there. But y'all are, are being part of the solution. You know, we call it on the show, we call it changing the boogie. Like you guys are willing to like put yourself out there, having the courage and uh, willing to put in your efforts that once again, that's time away from family and all that stuff, but also work in the sea of creativity to be able to put out these newsletters and workshops. In fact, you're giving me some ideas too, for our wellness program. We should have a meetup. I think, I think solving wellness community. We're going to do that before Christmas, just a little uh, 30 minute meetup to see how everyone's doing. Why not? With the theme of wellness. Um, so, before I, I, I'd be remiss to say, like, how do Melissa, how do people get a hold of you? How do they sign up for the newsletter? Yes, just go to our website, uh, intentionaltherapist.ca, and uh, people can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, again, our target audience is female mental health professionals, but I. Uh, it's really for anyone who resonates with, with the messages that we're sharing. And uh, people can also contact us uh, directly. Our, our contact info is on the website, um, particularly if, if they might be interested in having a, a kind of a personalized workshop or small group kind of ongoing experience. Um, we do, we, we are planning to organize some in the, the new year. Uh, we're also working on, 
what's hopefully going to be uh, an online course that, that people can access on a bit more of an ongoing basis. Uh, so signing up for our newsletter is the best way to stay informed of all of that, but people are also certainly welcome to, to contact us directly. If there's anything specific that, that might be of interest that we can assist with, we're always happy to, to, to brainstorm kind of a personalized uh, solution. Because like Karen said earlier, even though there are a lot of common elements to self-care in the end, it's, it's individual, right? You mentioned earlier that you hate Play-Doh. I actually love playing with Play-Doh with my son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily a huge fan of, I don't know, um, playing video games, but I'm happy to play with Play-Doh with him. But right. Of course it's, it's going to be different for everybody. And I, Karen's often talked about before too, that one of the things that she actually really enjoys doing is mowing the lawn, for example. <laughs> and of course not everyone's going to uh, be on the same page with that either. But the point is we don't have to be, we just have to know what's going to work for us. Amen. And uh, the, I used to hate doing the mowing the lawn, but now it's, it's, uh, you could stack it. I like listen to a show or uh, listen to some beats during that, but this is very well put mm-hmm. Melissa, Karen, thank you so much for your contributions. Thank you for joining the show. And I have a feeling we'll be connecting again in the near future. Thanks so much for having us. It's just been a pleasure getting to, to know you a bit better. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is great. Forecast Nation. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at Quadcast. Leave any messages at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. Leave us that five-star rating in full effect. You know what I'm saying? Leave that review on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a difference. It helps with the visibility of that show, yo. Um, thanks so much for listening. It means the world to us. Don't don't forget to jump on to SolvingWellness.com where we're changing that boogie. And listen, we'll connect again real soon. Peace.